You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. And we're drawing near to the coming of the Lord. Amen? And uh, the scripture was reminding us, and Jesus was reminding us, uh, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day when the Lord returns. And so right then, after, after those couple of verses that we looked at last week, there are a couple of other things that he says, and that has to do with uh, Brother Lot. Amen? And so we're going to continue on with where we left off last week, and that is Luke chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 28 through 32 today. Father, as we look into your word today, we just pray that you'll open up our hearts to it. Help us to receive everything that you have for us today in this service. Everything that you want to do inside of us, do it, Lord. We, we lift our hearts up to you and we just say, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Anoint us with a new and a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. And let this word be imparted into our hearts. Let it stir us up. Let it remind us that you are coming soon. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Amen. I'm not going to be looking back, and I trust that you're not going to be looking back. And he said that the, the coming of the Lord is going to be so sudden that we, uh, that we won't have time to do anything else once, once the Lord decides that he's going to uh, rapture his church, we're going to be gone. And then when he comes back for his second coming and actually touches his foot down on this earth, uh, it's going to be a sudden event. Amen. But he gave to us signs along the way, and he gave to us warnings so that we could know that that day was approaching. And if there's anybody in this world that ought to know these signs and know these warnings, it is the Christian church. And a lot of the Christian church today is just, they're, they're, they're living exactly like we just read. Buying, selling, going here, going there, looking for a sale. What time does this game start? Blah, blah, blah. And that's where our minds are. And they're fixed on that. So once again, 
just like it was in the days of Noah when God brought a great flood on the earth and destroyed everyone. Right here we see the same thing happening with Lot. The people were just going about doing their business from day to day. That's what, it, that's what it's saying here. <clears throat> Not concerned about their own sinful state nor the wickedness around them. And this, we're living in a day-to-day that is just the same. People are not real concerned about their spirituality. They're not real concerned about their relationship with their Creator. And they're not real concerned even when they look around and see all of the filth and the wickedness that's going on around them. And and instead of standing up and setting a standard uh, to oppose those things, they're finding ways to go along to get along. And we're just kind of being uh, shaped right on into the way society wants us to be thinking about all of this stuff. Well, let's look at the man Lot just for a minute. It, uh, the, through the scriptures, we realize that he was uh, Abraham's nephew. And uh, he traveled with Abraham when Abraham and the family left Ur of the Chaldeans. Uh, Lot, uh, Lot came with his uh, uncle Abraham. Uh, they both had huge flocks and herds of livestock, so much so that they agreed to separate because their herdsmen were quarreling over, having, over not having enough room for each other's animals to graze. So Abraham is the elder in the family here, and he, he is the one who has every right and every privilege to choose where he would like to dwell, and then Lot could come along with whatever was left over. But Abraham wasn't that way. Abraham trusted in God in all of his ways. Amen. Uh, So he gave preference to his nephew, and he let him choose where he wanted to go. So let's look at Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 13. Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, and they that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelled then in that land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and my herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So this was a a lush, beautiful, beautiful land that he was seeing. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So Lot... Uh, saw this beautiful land. Now, Abraham's giving him the opportunity to choose first. 
And so he's looking over in this direction where it is just beautiful, all lush grass. It's going to be good, and this is the best place for him. And uh, so it looks good to his eyes and to what he's seeing. But uh, remember the old saying, all that glitters is not gold? Amen. And so this was kind of a glittering thing in his eyes, and that's the way he saw it. Uh, but what he couldn't see from his vantage point was the wickedness of the people who dwelt there. Well, he found out in a big hurry once he landed there. And uh, sometime later, after he had been living among them, and the, the scripture refers to him as a righteous man, and uh, how do you live in that kind of a filthy environment when everybody is so wicked and given over to such wickedness? The only way that you can do something like that is with God's help and God's strength, amen, and his righteousness living inside of us, amen. So uh, later on, two angels in human form visit Lot to warn him that God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and when they arrived, Lot insisted on them spending the night with him. And so he was hospitable, and he opened up his home to these two strangers who uh, probably at that very time, he didn't even know that they were angels because they appeared to him as men. But it was the hospitable thing to do in that, in that day and age, and that was part of the custom. So he invited them to come in, and he, and he insisted, no, come on in and stay with me for the night. So we're going to look at Genesis 19 and verses 4 and 5. And it says there, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the men from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Now that's old King James language, but the NIV says it more plainly for us in our day and age so that we can have sex with them. Where are the men that are in your house? Where are the men that came to you this night? Bring them out here so that we can rape them, so that we can have sex with them. <clears throat> Among the other sins that Sodom and Gomorrah had committed, and there were plenty of other sins, this is the one that God called detestable and an abomination. And then centuries later, God's own chosen people would drift away from God from time to time, and they would get into idol worship. And a part of the idol worship was this same sexual immorality. And uh, so even his chosen people had become so cold, calloused, and wicked uh, that, that they even had no sense of shame. And this is what I'm afraid uh, uh, people are being uh, fashioned and molded today in their minds and in their thinking to where even if they would say, I would never do something like that, they're not even ashamed of the fact that it's going on around them. And they're complying and conforming and finding ways to be tolerant. That's the big word today. Tolerance, tolerance. And all of the people who holler tolerance are the people who are very intolerant to you as a Christian. You cannot speak what's on your mind. Everybody else can speak what's on their mind, but not you as a Christian. Because that's old-fashioned, that's the old stuff. We're changing things, we're changing the way we do things, we're changing what we believe now. 
and you're just outdated. We don't want to hear from you. Amen. But this is what it says concerning God's people, uh, what God said through the prophet Jeremiah. And I'm going to read this one from the NIV. This is Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed, so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. <laughs> can you relate to that one? Amen. In our day and age, the word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it. The old and the old, those weighed down with years, their houses will be turned over to others together with their fields and their wives, when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy of gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. In other words, they put Band-Aids on cancers. You know, God's, God's ministers are supposed to be warning the people uh, concerning the error of their ways, but yet they say, oh, you're okay, you know, that's our, oh, that's just, uh, you know, that's, you know. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Amen. They have no ability to even blush at things that are wicked or sinful or wrong or detestable or an abomination. They pull these things off right in front of people and people just go about their business. This is what it was talking about. The people are just going about their business. They're, they're writing their checks or using their debit cards in our day and age and they're just shopping and they're uh, partying and they're doing all of these things and not even having a little bit of shame over what's going on around them in their society. I'm telling you, just common sense today just seems to have gone right out the window. Because they're, they're now promoting things that, that a fool or a child should be able to look at and say, man, this is going to destroy this place. This is going to destroy our, our nation. This is going to destroy our society. This is, this is aimed at destroying our homes. Our children are growing up in an environment and they're being fed this stuff that it's normal, it's good, it's healthy. I'm telling you, man, I've been saved for 47 years, and, and when I, early on after I was saved, I remember somebody making a comment, some, some pervert making a comment that, uh, that uh, having sex with children was a healthy thing. I'm talking 47 years ago, folks, and that was back when people would blush at hearing something like that. No more blush today. Coming acceptable. It's becoming acceptable. 
And here we are, thousands of years later, and mankind has not gotten any wiser. We have all of these examples. The Scripture says that everything that was written and recorded in the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, is there for our examples. So that we don't have to go through the same thing, but that we can learn from the examples of other people who have gone on before us, good and bad. And we don't seem to have been, uh, become any wiser being able to see these things in history. And how true is the statement those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Let's look at the reasons why God brought his wrath down upon people throughout history. And remember, we don't want to, uh, if we don't learn from this history, this kind of history, this is what I'm going to read to you right now, is history in the Word of God. We know that it happened in times past. We know that nations and empires fell because of sexual immorality and all kinds of other sins that they committed before the living God. Crumbled. Great. Strong empires. Strong nations. Crumbled. Rome fell. Greece fell. All of those nations fell because of sinful activities. So, remember, if we don't learn from this history, we will be doomed to repeat it. And I think we might already be there, folks. I think we might, as a nation, already be to the place where we are doomed. We are doomed to repeat this. I know that God has a remnant. Thank God. I heard all of you shouting hallelujah this morning. Amen. And it's coming from our hearts because we know him and he's the, he's the living God who is in control of this life. Amen. And uh, we're, we're looking for his soon coming. But all of this stuff is going on around us. And, and I know that I've read this uh, and I refer to this a lot, but I'm telling you, every time that we read this, we ought to be able to see our society. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. The wrath of God is being, this is the NIV again, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, create, the created things rather than the creator, 
who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not like did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, Insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice If people are going to practice these things around us, they ought to do it without our approval. The church can no longer just sit back idly and just allow that to happen without speaking up. We talked about abortion last week and a couple of weeks before that. Uh, how did that happen? Because the church was sleeping on the job. The church let that happen. I remember Dr. Francis Schaefer uh, years ago. Uh, he said, over every abortion mill ought to be a placard or a sign that says, here with the approval of the Christian church. It was the church who could have stopped that. It's the church who could have, it's the church who could stop men using girls' bathrooms today and girls using men's bathrooms today. It's the church who could have a loud clarion call and say, hey, we're not going to go for that. Amen. And all of these people that are promoting these things they think that they're going to go with the money. And so they promote that, thinking that it's going to be prosperous for them. But what if everybody who shopped at that place said, no, thank you, I'm done here. It would take only probably 30 days of them looking over their books to say, you know what, we're going to rethink this thing. Pressure! Pressure! Righteous pressure! Righteous indignation from God's people could change all of that. But, go along. We're just silent. We say very little if we say anything at all. And on and on it goes. And when we just read this, this is a historical, this is what happened to societies in the past. Because they gave themselves over to this kind of wickedness, God would destroy them. We talked about Noah. That's why the people in Noah's day were destroyed. We talked about Lot this morning. That's why they were destroyed. They were given over to that kind of depravity. And God said, enough. And no one can delete this from God's holy word. <laughs> oh, they've been trying. 
People have tried to snuff out the Word of God way back when in history. But thank God for people like William Tyndale and others who just copied it letter by letter at nighttime with candlelight, running for their lives and hiding from the people who would try to crush out the Word of God and stamp it out. But guess what? It's still the world's best seller. The world's best seller. It ain't going nowhere, folks. The Word of God is here to stay. And when we read that, that can't be deleted from the Word of God. It's here to stay. Uh, it is just as true today as it ever has been in times past. Those words that we just read are still true today. Everyone who knows anything about the Bible knows about David's sin with Bathsheba. If you can ask most common men on the street, hey, have you ever heard of King David and Bathsheba? And, oh, yeah, 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 I know, yeah. They, they know that. Amen. David committed adultery with her, and he murdered her husband to try to cover up his, his uh, deeds, and he paid the price for his sin. In other words, what David did was sinful behavior. And he broke God's law. He violated his commandments. And David had to pay for it. When God's people were unrestrained in their fleshly lust, they brought the judgment of God upon themselves. Even his chosen people. Amen. Because God's not a fool. And he will not be mocked. And when he lays down his standard and he says, this is the standard you are to live by, when we miss the mark, we've brought his wrath upon us. Even in the New Testament, because a lot of times people say, well, that's just that Old Testament stuff. But even in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. And the judgment of God came upon them instantaneously. They fell down dead. New Testament, we're under grace now. Hallelujah, aren't you glad? Yeah. God still takes his word seriously. It, uh, the New Testament and grace does not give us the option to just go ahead and live our lives willy-nilly and just do whatever we want to do. We still have to come under the submission of his Holy Spirit and of his word. Amen. We talk about being persecuted today, and, and more and more, we're going to see it more and more. In Canada, right now, they're locking up people left and right for just speaking out against homosexuality and some of these transgender things and... and uh, uh, you know, they have laws on the books. You can't, say, you can't do that. You can't do that. What do you mean? We can't preach the Bible? We can't speak of God's word? We can't call sin, sin anymore? What do you mean? Nope, not here. You can't do that. And it's coming to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> it's coming to a theater near you. You know what I mean? Uh, this is what's, being ha what's happening in the world right now. Amen. So persecution is coming, church. Now, you should all walk out of here today and just put your heads down low and just kind of, oh, 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 oh persecution's coming. Oh, oh, Pastor Mike preached one of them condemning, uh, oh, tough thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, persecution's coming. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So, if you don't suffer persecution, maybe you ought to check your godly scale. <laughs> Amen? Come on. Check your thermometer a little bit there. All, the scripture says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is nothing new to those who stand for righteousness. 
More and more today, people are coming against anyone who dares to speak out against these sinful behaviors. Trying to frame such language as hate speech, that's what they're calling it. They have laws on the books called hate speech. Making it equal to a human rights violation. That's the way they're trying to frame the whole argument. Those who stand up for righteousness suffer persecution. Some are put into prison, even in our day. Some are beat, even in our day. Some are even killed, even in our day. That's persecution. Standing up for righteousness, preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Like I said, this is nothing new. Jeremiah the prophet was stoned by his own people. Isaiah the prophet was sawn in two. Ezekiel was killed by his own countrymen. John the Baptist suffered the consequences of just simply telling the truth. He wasn't very politically correct in his speech. He called Herod an adulterer. You know, if he was in this day and age, somebody, as soon as he would say that, someone would say, Oh, oh you're so harsh. You're so cruel. You shouldn't say that. Society wants us to tone down our speech. I've got news for you. Just because society decides to call adultery an affair doesn't mean that it is no longer a sin in the eyes of Almighty God. He hasn't changed his mind on that, folks. The viewing of so-called adult entertainment or subscribing to adult magazines may sound more pleasant to the ear, but it is still pornography. And if anybody here is into that at all, get rid of it. It's sinful. It's wrong. Oh, it's just an adult magazine. You know, I used to work at places, and some of you men have done the same thing. You go into the restroom, they use the restroom, there's all kinds of filthy material in there that people have left on the back of the toilet, Playboy magazines or whatever. Playboy was uh, years and years ago. And, uh, th that was mild in comparison to what's going on today. But it was pornography. Pornography. And you always hear people uh, saying, oh, well, no, it's just art. It's just... Uh, it's just uh, enjoying the beauty of God's creatures. You lying fool. You know what's going on in your heart. You know what's going on in your mind. You know what, you, what rises up in you when, you when you look at that stuff. And there are statistics today that say that there's a huge percentage of men and women in churches who are addicted to pornography. Pornography comes from the same Greek word that we get the word fornication. And fornication is any and all sex out of the marriage relationship of one man, one woman. The marriage relationship of one man, one woman. Even heterosexual sex between an unmarried man and woman is wrong because it's outside of the boundaries of marriage. And it is sinful. 
and it comes under this thing of fornication. It's wrong. God, God looks at that and he says it's detestable. It's an abomination. It's not acceptable in the sight of God. I personally think that a lot of times homosexual uh, activities, transgender, and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing today are getting a pass because so many people who are not into that sin, you know, I don't do that sin, but they're shacking up with each other and they're, they're going with uh, several guys or gals uh, to have sexual relationships with them. And that is called sin as well. So, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on these guys over here because, well, hey, you know, I'm doing the same thing. And so we give a pass to people who are doing some other sin that we may not be involved in, but we know that we're sinful creatures and we're uh, partaking of that ourselves. I'm not talking about us here, hopefully. But you, you see what I'm saying about society? This is, this is the way that it goes. So any sexual activity outside of the marriage bonds is wrong and it is sinful. So the homosexuals shouldn't just get a bad rap and everybody else goes unnoticed. All of these are sinful behaviors. Amen. So we have changed such words as uh, adultery into an affair, pornography into art. We've changed the words reveling, chambering, wantonness, debauchery into getting buzzed, tipsy, or partying. We're just partying. Just because these words are a little bit easier on the ears doesn't mean that such behavior is any less sinful. God still calls it sin. God still calls it sin. And then we have the audacity to call what God says is an abomination a gay lifestyle. Nothing gay about it. Nothing gay about it. I've been, I've been reading some books lately on homosexuality, transgender thing, and I'm, because I'm trying to understand it. I'm a minister of the gospel, and you are too. And it wouldn't be a, a bad idea for you to pick up a book uh, on the subject as well, because we need to know how to minister to people. And I'm not saying that because a guy is a heroin addict, I have to go shoot heroin up in my, in my arm to be able to relate to him. I'm not saying that. But there are ways that we can try to understand what that person's going through and, and to be able to reach him. But a lot of times the church just writes people off for this different sin or that different sin or a different ethnicity. Well, we write them off because, oh, they're too hard to, hard to get through to. No, Christ died for the world, for the whole world. And so there's not an ethnic group that he can't get through to. He can get through to their hearts. But we write them off. And we write certain sins off. We say, oh, that, that's, too, that's too hard. No. But I've been, I've been trying to read it read up on it to just get a grasp of it and the reason why is because it is becoming so trendy today for young kids and young people to jump on board and if you don't think this is true I'm giving you a wake-up call right now to all of you parents and all of you grandparents you need to know something about this and you need to know how to detect when and where those things begin and how they can get started. Grandpa, grandma, I'm telling you, moms and dads, you've got to watch this. You've got to guard this. And that's why I say it would be wise to, to read up on it a little bit. Because there are some, and the books that I'm reading are from 
people who have lived this lifestyle for decades were trapped in it. And most of them will all tell you they wrestled with it, they struggled with it, they, they fought, they, they did not like it. But they're painting a picture today that it's cool. And now we have millions of them and tens of thousands of them at least marching in Washington for Gay Pride Day and everything, coming out, and yeah, oh yeah, now we're, we're rejoicing. And isn't this the coolest thing since sliced bread? And in their hearts, they're in misery. And in misery loves company, the old saying says. And so they take that misery now into grade school, and they have transgender uh, drag queens come in and read story time to little children and just messes up their minds. And we don't have enough common sense to say, hey, that would mess up a kid's mind. I'm trying to have the compassion and the love that Jesus himself has for those people. We can't just write them off. Their sins are no more grievous than your sins. Sin is sin. God is a holy God, a just God. But he's a merciful and a kind God as well. Amen. Christ died for them just as much as he died for your sins and for mine. And we're really not all that different when it comes to our brokenness and our sinfulness before Almighty God. We have all been lied to from the start. Whether it is the 60 million women who have uh, had abortions or people believing that they are a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body. We've been lied to. Those folks have been lied to, and, and we bought into the lie. And, and each of those people that, that I've been reading about, they will tell you that. They will tell you that. They bought into a lie. Amen. God's design for us is the very best. He does not create people as homosexuals. This is the devil's lie. And it's coming, I'm telling you, um, this is coming from testimonies of many people who have lived this lifestyle for decades and they've come to faith in Jesus Christ and they've been living a heterosexual life uh, with spouses uh, of the opposite sex now for, for a long, long time, for many, many years, and they have multiple children in that relationship. And all the while they were being lied to that they were stuck in this mode uh, that they were in and there's no way out of it because God created them that way. It was a lie. And they found out that it was a lie and now they're living in the truth of God's word and the truth of God's design and the truth of God's purposes for man and woman. They're totally happy, totally set free, no condemnation. And some of them will even say, they, they still have thoughts. They still have to stay on top of the thoughts. Say, well, why, why doesn't God just deliver them completely so that they would have no more thoughts? Well, God has delivered me, but I want to ask you, do you have no more thoughts that are negative, that are anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-biblical? Amen. You have them, and I have them. And what do we got to do with it? We got to deal with them. We got to deal with them. We got to put them under feet. We got to put them under subjection. We're in control now. Amen. God's Holy Spirit is living inside of me, and He's given me the power to be in control of my life. 
I don't have to look at pornography. I don't have to go in the way of the world. There's no such thing as a homosexual gene. That's a fact. Any more than there is a thief gene or a murderer gene. People who murder people is because of the lust of their flesh and something rises up in them, hatred, envy, strife, whatever, and they carry out the act. But it all comes from the same, the same place, the heart. Amen. It is true that a person could have a proclivity or a propensity towards a same-sex attraction. When somebody says, oh, I go back, and as far as I can remember, way back when, I've always had this proclivity towards the same sex. That does not mean that you were born homosexual or gay or, or uh, lesbian. Amen. And even if you did have that drawing there, you were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. All of us were. So it's just as wrong for a heterosexual to sit there and dwell on, on someone of the opposite sex that's just as wrong as it is for someone who has those desires for same sex. But that person must bring his thoughts and his desires under the Holy Spirit's control in the same way that that uh, heterosexual must do the same thing. Uh, in the same way that a person who has anger issues, he, he, we don't make excuses for people who have anger in their heart to just go out in a rage and do things uh, that cause destruction. There's a consequence for that. Why? Because it's wrong behavior. And they have to keep a lid on that. I'm going to close with a couple of passages. Actually, it's the same passage that I'm going to read. But I want to read it to you in the King James, and then I want to read it to you in the NIV. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Ah, oh, hallelujah, I love that, I love that. Because somebody can come up to you and say, hey, hey, Tina, I knew you when. You say, yeah, you knew me when, but you don't know me now. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. No condemnation, I've been justified by the living God. Amen. Hey, Yvette, I remember you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. You might remember something about me back then, but you don't know me now. Amen. Let's read it in the NIV. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, again. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, 
nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Thank God there is a way out. It does not make any difference what the sin is. It does not make any difference what the bondage is. It doesn't make any difference what chains are over your life, what, what darkness is over your mind and over your life. There's a way out. Hallelujah. Jesus came not to condemn this world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's not here to condemn us. He's here to save us. He's not here to say, oh, shame on you for doing that bad thing. No, he's here saying that's an evil thing that will destroy your life, but I've come to give you an abundant life. The devil has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, and that's the message that the church has to tell those same people. It doesn't matter what the bondage is. It doesn't matter what the sin is. Sin is sin, and sin will take a person straight to hell. And that's what we just read. None of these things, none of these people who are doing these things right now, if, if Christ should come for them, will inherit the kingdom of God. None of them. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Those of you who are here, I trust that you're all Christians. I don't see anybody here that may not be a Christian. I don't know, but only God knows our hearts. Amen? And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Is there anybody here who would like to roll out all of your sins that you did in your life? Anybody like to stand up and just make a list of all of the things that you've ever done wrong? God help us. Amen? So who are we to judge those people who are living those lifestyles right now? The church has to let them know there's a way out for you. There's a way out of that. And they're thinking in their heads that there is no way out. I was born this way. I'm stuck this way. I just, I, I've been doing this for so long, I can't get out of it. No, that's a lie. That's a lie, and we've got to tell them that is a lie. The enemy's lying to you. Thank God there's a way out there. Thank God there was a way out for me. Thank God there was a way out for you. Thank God we're, we're part of that last verse there. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Thank God people can be forgiven. Who's the most wicked person that you know of in your life right now? I mean, somebody that you say, man, that, that, that guy's wicked, man. You just need to look at that person and say, man, that guy was me, man. Case closed. You were a sinner, and now you're saved by the grace of God. They are a sinner who can be saved by the grace of God. Wonderful. Wonderful. You've got the goods. You've got the news that they need to hear. Hallelujah. And we don't want to hold it back. We don't want to be the, those who just comply and conform and who go along. Not me. Not for one day do I ever want to do that. Ever again in my life. I don't want to do that. And, and we've got to realize that a lot of times, like I said earlier here, people give in to these things because of their own unrighteous deeds that they may be doing. And they don't want to condemn somebody else. I mean, oh, I, I can't speak out on that because, well, I mean, I'm living with my girlfriend and 
you know, I know God doesn't like that. If I say something about this guy's sin, he's going to turn around and say, yeah, well, what about you? Yeah, what about you? And so we're all on the level playing field. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not even one. And the wages of sin is death. I know I'm walking you through the Romans road right now, but that, that is exactly what people need to hear. You're not good in and of yourself. You can't make it to heaven on your own good works. You need Christ. Amen. And that's, that's the thing that changed us. That's the thing that will change them.